We are back in our study in the book of Hebrews that we have called Draw Near. And we've called it that because about a half dozen times through the book of Hebrew, we have this command to draw near. In our text today is going to be another command for us to draw near. And we've been looking through the book of Hebrews, right? It's this great um, case for Christ that you're talking to these Uh, Hebrew Christians, these brand new Hebrew Christians, and many of them are being persecuted and are tempted to go back to the old law. That they've considered Christ, that that they've placed their faith in Christ, and the author of Hebrews is making this case like, do not go back to your old law. Do not go back to the old way because Jesus has been the plan from the beginning. He, like, all the things of the Old Testament, those are all just shadows They're all just like forerunners, foreshadowing of Jesus who was to come, the better Moses, the better better high priest, the better sacrifice, the better tabernacle itself, that everything has been pointing to Christ. And because God sent his son into the world to put on flesh, to dwell among us, that man grows up, that man lives a sinless life goes to a cross, becomes the best and greater sacrifice, atones for our sins, and closes the gap between God and us. And by faith, by faith we can draw near to him. By faith, we can draw near to the living God. And so let's read our text today. We're in Hebrews chapter 10. If you want to turn there, we're midway through. We're going to start in verse 19. It says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Praise be to God. 24 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's pray. Father, again, we come before you and we submit these hearts and these lives to you. God, I pray for humble hearts today in this place. I pray for um, presumption to be gone, um, preconceived notions maybe, walls, barriers. God, I pray that you'd tear them down, that you'd open eyes, you'd open ears to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in this text. God, give us the boldness and the humility to submit to you, to humble ourselves before you to actually be doers of the word. You so prove our belief, so prove our faith. God, that we love you more than anything. We love you and your word more than anything. So God, move us again today. Change us. Do the work that only you can do. No words, no persuasion. Your power, your spirit's power in our lives. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys ever been somewhere um, and realize shortly that you're there, that you just don't belong? Like you ever been in that situation where you're like, I don't belong, I don't belong here right now. 
And like, sometimes you put yourself in that situation. Sometimes you like get invited into a situation. You're like, whoa, I don't fit. I don't belong. Two really quick stories. Two really quick stories. Uh, one story is, and I'm probably going to get some of it wrong, so I'm going to paraphrase it, and I'm sure after this sermon, uh, my wife will come up to me and say, yeah, you got this part wrong, got this part wrong. And I'm not trying to lie to you guys. I just, I just didn't verify the facts with my wife. But my wife and her family were on a cruise years ago. They ended up at a resort in Mexico. They stopped off at this resort, but the thing is, they, didn't, they weren't a part of the resort. They weren't, but, but they had a really great pool. They had a really great pool set up, and they thought, well, let's just go in. Like, let's just go in and enjoy the pool and maybe some drinks, some whatever, refreshments, whatever it might be. And so let's just, like, show up and see what happens. And the thing is, is they knew they didn't belong because they weren't part of the resort. But what they, like, you ever do this where you're just like, just act like you belong, Right? Go in with some confidence, pretend like you've been there before, and maybe no one will notice. You just act like you belong and everything will be fine. They were there for a long time, and it all went really well until somebody from the resort came up to them and asked if they belonged, if they were a part of it. And they said, no, we don't, but we have money to spend here, and they let them stay. Another quick story. A few years ago, uh, actually quite a few years ago now, 2004, I got invited to an election watch party, right? Presidential elections. People do this, apparently. I don't do this. I just sit in front of my TV in misery most, most elections. But I get invited um, by an attorney friend uh, to this election watch party, and it turns out that it was like the Republican Party of Wisconsin, and all of these high-powered attorneys and, and, and people who are in the political realm, like all of these people who... Um, I don't, belong, I don't fit in with, right? I got invited to this party at the Wisconsin Club downtown. It's fancy, and I got a jacket on, and it's high, and like, it's like, I felt like a fish out of water. And like, I'm mingling through the nights, and finding, like, this guy owns this business, and this guy's this high-powered attorney, and whatever, and I'm just like, hey, I'm Kevin. I'm a, I'm a minister. I'm a pastor. Uh, just like, I don't, and like, one, like, like, where they, they're just like, so, how did you get here? Like, why are you here? And my friend, like, come alongside. Well, he's with me. Like, I, he's, he's my guest. I, he, he's, he's here with me. That's, like, do you understand how amazing it is that we can walk into the presence of a holy God when in actuality, like, we shouldn't belong we do not belong. Like, we can go in and not just go in like I was at some fancy party where I didn't feel like I belonged, but like, like, and just kind of fake it till you make it kind of thing. Just pretend like you belong. But we can go in with confidence into the presence of a living God. Months ago, we talked about the structure of the temple and who was allowed where, right? That there were different, like, courts of the Gentiles, that they had to stay on the outside. And then there was court of women. And then there was this inner court, like where Jews could go. And then and they, they, no one was let in to the holy places except for the priests. And no one was let into the holy of holies past the curtain except for the high priest. And that was one time a year. Only once a year would he go into the most 
holy place. And he did so, so carefully. Like, so, first washing himself in accordance with the customs of the law. First offering atonement for himself so carefully with trepidation. And if they didn't, if they weren't careful enough, they died. Like, that's, that's the mindset, the mentality, the trepidation in which the high priest, the only one who was allowed to go into the holiest of places. And it's because our God is holy. And how many of you know, like, we are not. How many of you are full aware of your lack of holiness? That God is glorious. A word we don't understand, so glorious that he dwells in unapproachable light, the scriptures say. Unapproachable light. I've said it before, I've said it recently, man. I think we think too lightly of two important things. We think too lightly of God's holiness. Just exactly what that means. His purity. His righteousness, his perfection. And we think way too lightly of our sin. And that thing that, that we um, hold on to, that thing that we think, well, it's just, it's just not that big of a deal. I just kind of sit in my shame and my guilt. Man, we don't understand the darkness and the evil of that sin. We're going to talk about that in a few more weeks too. And how holy our God is. And just how, like, because we think lightly of those two things, I don't think we have a good view of the gospel. I think it comes, like, when we have a light view of God's holiness and when we have a light view of our sin, I think we also have a light view of the person and the work of Jesus. I don't think we're wowed enough, put in awe enough by the person and the work of Jesus, which is the gospel. When you see how far away God is, in morality, in purity, in holiness, in righteousness, when you see the evil and the gross, vile nature of our sin and rebellion towards him, when you get a sense of those, you get a sense of the distance between a holy God and your sin, yourself, your flesh, the good news of Jesus becomes all the more sweet. The good news of Jesus Drawing it like God drew near to us in Christmas, the holy and majestic and righteous one put on broken humanity so that he could die and so that that blood could pour out and cleanse us, wash us, make us righteous and make us clean, clean enough to walk into the presence of a holy and living God. That's what we're talking about. And not just walk into it, with all of that careful fear and trepidation that the, that the high priests had, but with confidence and boldness, walk into the presence of God. Not because of you. Not because you're perfect. Not because of your perfection or that you are blameless. And that you did it all right. But because Jesus paid it all. Because his blood ministers a better covenant because Jesus is a sure and steadfast anchor of my soul. Because Jesus, as much like my friend, he's with me. 
Verse 19 again of Hebrews chapter 7 says, Therefore, brothers, since we have this confidence, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by, and right, he said that word by, here's the means, here's the reason we can, by the blood of Jesus. Verse 20, by, here's a little bit more and a little bit differently, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. So we see this beautiful comparison here, comparing the curtain that separated the Holy of Holies to the body of Christ, the curtain, right? That, that curtain, if, I don't know if you realize this, but the curtain that separated the Holy of Holies was like 60 feet tall and like four inches thick. Like that, think of that kind of curtain. And it's not like you just thrown open the curtains in your house, right? Thick. And that curtain was torn in two from top to bottom, from heaven to earth. God came down to man. It's what separates Christianity from most major world religions. Everything else is us trying to merit salvation, trying to work our way up to God, trying to earn our way up to him. But our gracious and loving God came from heaven to earth. The veil tore into from top to bottom. And you see this comparison now to Jesus and his body. Broken tore to pieces, blood poured out, becoming our sacrifice and our propitiation that we talked about last week. This is why we not just can, but should, and dare I say must, have confidence to enter into the very presence of a living God. Not just can, and not just should, but we must enter the presence of God based on the confidence that we have in Jesus, his blood, and that body that was broken, his flesh, that curtain, because of the new and living way in him. It's because we believe in Jesus. It's because we trust in him. It's because we put our faith in him. So this morning, if you haven't done that, I plead with you. I beg of you, put your faith in Christ. Repent of your sin. Repent of your striving. Repent of your self-righteousness. Trust Jesus and boldly enter in. I think a big reason why we are slow to enter the presence of God, other than just simply being lazy, I think Christians are lazy, just so you know. I think we are lazy people, generally. We're like, we, we treat it as this like, theology that is like mere theory and yet we don't like oh we don't go for it but i think a lot of times we don't enter the presence of god because of shame and insecurity we talked a little bit about this last week that insecurity like does he really love me has he really given himself like because of shame and insecurity like believe in jesus believe in his person believe in that blood believe in his work and boldly come into the presence of God. So since we have confidence to enter by the blood of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, by the body of Jesus, it's, it's almost like the infomercials. But wait, there's more. Hebrews 10.20, by, by the new and living way which he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the household of God. So since we have confidence because of the sacrifice, because of the body and blood of Jesus Christ, and we're going to go to the, ta the table of the Lord here at the end of service today. 
We're going to celebrate that body. We're going to celebrate that blood. We're going to celebrate the new and living way into the presence of a holy God. We're going to celebrate that new covenant today. But also since we have this great high priest over the household of God, this perfect high priest with the perfect sacrifice, since these two things are reality, right? I love that in our, in our text here today. Since this and since this, now this. It's easy. This is easy to preach. Since this is true, since this is reality, since we have a great high priest who has a great sacrifice, let us. We see three, three let us in our text here today. Verse 22 says, let us draw near to him. There's a, our text. <clears throat> let us hold fast the confession of our hope and let us stir each other up to love and good works. Let's look at the first one. Let us draw near. Hebrews 10, 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. That phrase, Full assurance of faith. I remember growing up, the uh, church tradition that I grew up in um, didn't really push assurance of faith too often. I think there's like whole church traditions and like uh, denominations that instead of like assurance and confidence in the work, person and work of Jesus, there's a lot of fear and a lot of like, guess what? If you don't do it right, uh, you're going you're gonna to burn forever, right? And that's a different sermon for another week and it's coming just so you know. I'm nervous about it, honestly, so pray for me. I just want to be faithful. But there's a lot of fear, especially those Sunday night services. Anybody who grow up going to Sunday night church? You had church Sunday morning, you had Sunday night church, you had Wednesday night church. Sunday night church always got a little weird. I right? grew up in a, in, a, in a charismatic Pentecostal tradition, okay? Lots of end times talk, right? Lots of like, and then like a lot of fear tactics to get you to turn or burn kind of thing. There wasn't a lot of talk of this full assurance stuff in Jesus. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Do you realize that you can have full assurance of faith? Full assurance of salvation? Like I said, it touches on what we talked about last Sunday with insecurity about God's love for us. How hard it is for us to love, truly love, like God loves us, like Christ loves us, that reaching love, that sacrificial love, when we doubt or are insecure about his love for us. But we can draw near boldly and confidently with full assurance of faith that you will be accepted on the merit, not of yourself, but on the merit of Christ and his righteousness. When our as, our, as our text says in verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. See, hearts sprinkled clean, like these are two, uh, again, the, the, the author of Hebrews is drawing on images from the temple. The Jewish temple and the rites associated with the high priest Hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, right? Everything in the temple was cleansed by blood. They would sprinkle blood on everything. Without the, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. 
and everything in the temple was cleansed by blood. Our consciences, like our, our minds and our hearts being renewed by the person and work of Jesus, that wash, washing of the word that happens, regeneration that happens in our hearts and in our minds, washed clean, sprinkled clean by the blood of Jesus so that we are no longer condemned. We have a great accuser. We have a great enemy of our soul that wants you to live condemned, doubting the sacrifice of Christ, doubting his love for you, doubting all of that and having you live um, not with assurance, but in fear, not in confidence. Like if we don't get this right, we will never come boldly. We will never come in confidence. We are going to power and be lame in our worship always if we are in fear. But when we hope in Christ, when we hope in his work, when we hope in his blood, when we enter in by the new and living way that is through the curtain of his flesh, the curtain of his body, his sacrifice for us, man, we can draw near with full assurance of faith. Our bodies being washed with pure water, right? That, that priest had to be washed ceremonially clean, but then put on priestly garments before he could enter into the presence of God. This is what Jesus does for us. Inside and out, hearts and bodies, intentions and actions, right? Conscience cleansed, sprinkled clean. The inside, bodies cleansed, washed with pure water. Outside, actions, living all of it cleansed by the work of Jesus. So let us draw near. Go back to that phrase, draw near. Like we, we've talked about that a few times uh, over the last couple of weeks and months. I don't know if we really unpacked it though. Like what does it mean to draw near? The Greek word here means to come close to someone in a, in a face-to-face manner. There's connotations there of intimacy and knowing. Like when you come face to face with someone, it's, it's not just knowing about somebody. When you spend like, I think about like my relationship with my wife. Like how deeply and per- like nobody knows me like my wife. And I don't like, I know her better than anybody because of the intimacy of our relationship, the face to face nature of our relationship. Remember our Ernest and Eager series back in June. We talked about pressing into the presence of God, seeking the fullness of God. And it started with seeking him with all of our heart. Look at the commands in scripture. They seek the face and the fullness of God, that intimacy with him. Matthew chapter 22, we looked at this. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in all the law, verse 36, 37. He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, right? Super simple, super simple command, right? With all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, we must love him in our totality. And there's that little word that, that, that leads all of them, and it's all of it, with all of it. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with what? All of your heart, Jeremiah. And we're horrible at this. There's a lot of half-hearted pursuit happening in the church today, in the, particularly in the American church. Self-serving, 
when it, when it fits my needs, when I really need him. Like, we'll never experience the fullness of God. We will never experience a drawing near face-to-face in that intimacy unless it is a wholehearted face-to-face pursuit. Psalm 27, 8, you've said, seek my face. That's intimacy. That's presence. My heart says to you, your face, O Lord, do I seek. Psalm 119.58, I have sought your face with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. Right? Face equals presence. Not just theoretic or theological omnipresence, but manifest, realized, engaged presence of a living God where our hearts draw near to him intimately entering and engaging him in a way where he's actually known like a friend or a lover, not just known about, lest we hear Christ utter those terrifying and damnable words. Depart from me, I never knew you. But we did this in your name, God. But we did this in your name, God. Yeah, you knew a lot about me. You lived at arm's length to me. But I never knew you. You never actually drew near. And I made the way. Like, I did everything possible. Like, I did what was required for you to draw near, man. I tore the curtain in two. My body was torn for you to enter into the very presence of God that you could do it boldly with confidence. But you never drew near. I never saw you face to face. You never saw me face to face. You only knew about me. You only played church. If that's you in this room today, what are you waiting for? Stop believing the lies of the enemy. He has made a new and beautiful way by the shedding of his blood and the breaking of his body so that we might walk into the very presence of God boldly. He's here with us today, not in some I don't want, I can't say stupid. Not in some, not in some um, powerless, omnipresent way where it's just theology. But in a real way, he is here with us today. And you were able to walk into this place, his waltz right in here, and experience the presence of God. Some of you are like, I don't feel anything. He's here, he's moving. He is here changing lives. He is here letting this word land on your heart in such a way. It's him. It's it's his presence. Draw near. Draw. I hope that 2024, that's the year, that's what's coming. 2024. 2023 is a blur. Just honestly, it happened. I was there. Some of it was really good. Some of it was really bad. Preach. Somebody said preach. I hope that 2024 for you and for us as a congregation is one of actually drawing near into the presence of the living God. Boldly, confidently, expectant of great, great and powerful things. How are you drawing near? How was your pursuit?
Are you satisfied with religion and playing church? There's so much more. And I'll just say this. Come on out Friday to my house. Come worship with us. Pursue the presence of God with us. Six o'clock. Number two. Verse one, let us draw near. Second, let us is let us hold fast to the confession. 23. Uh, verse 23. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. These Hebrews were under persecution. We've talked about that many times over the last few months. They were tempted to deny Christ and go back to the law. And the author here calls them, calls us, to stand firm and hold fast without wavering. Jesus Christ is the hope of Israel. He's the Messiah. There was lots of doubts and lots of wonderings. Is this Jesus? Is he the promised Messiah? Is he the one? The author has been making the convincing argument now for chapters and chapters that he is the promised one and the fulfillment of all of the old covenant and Israel's only hope and our only hope. They're told to hold fast, not just to an idea or a doctrine, not just something believed here in their head, but something believed here in their heart and then confessed here with their mouth. You get that? Hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. Something lived out. Something declared. Something that's really believed. Real faith leading to real living. Think about um, a lot of different church traditions, right? A lot of the confessions and the creeds. Like, I, I, we, Maybe we should do more of that around here because there's lots of beautiful declarations made in those creeds like, that would serve us well. But I don't want them to be just something we say. But I want us to hold fast here and here and here the confession of Christ. Let us draw near. Let us hold fast. The third one there is let us consider how to stir up one another. Verse 24. It says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let us consider. Okay, so that consider is not the way that sometimes I use that word in a non-committal way when I'm not sure if I want to hang out with you or not. Yeah, right? You ever, like, I'll consider it. Like, yeah, you, you want to hang out? You want to do this? Let me consider it. No, it's like, let us, uh, or, the, or the Christian, the Christian way is I'll pray about it, right? That's our Christian way of being noncommittal. Well, let me pray about that. It means to contemplate, to dream, to contemplate all the ways that we might stir one another up. The Greek word for stir up means to provoke, but in a good way. To be provoked in a good way, the best way possible. Actually, there's some connotations there. To stir up means to sharpen. Think about Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron. One man sharpens another. So consider, let us consider how we might sharpen one another. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. Man, I think about COVID and the Havoc that that reached out, uh, wrecked on the church, man. Pajama church, you guys remember pajama church, right? Where you're streaming things, that's not church. It really damaged the church in many, many ways. Think about people asking the question, can you 
be a Christian and not go to church? And I think in the past I've said yes, like really quickly. And I would still probably say yes. But I would also say, can you be a foot without being attached to a leg? Like, what is a foot if it's not attached to it? Like, what is a hand if it's not attached to an arm? What is a believer if they're not a part of a body? Right? As some neglect to do, like, do not forsake gathering, as is the habit of some, but encourage one another. The church is meant to meet, to meet together regularly. Because there's a beautiful work that happens by the Spirit of God and believers coming together. Jesus Christ is the head of a body. He's the head of this church. There's no senior pastor. There's no whatever. Like, he is the senior pastor. He is the head of the church, the great shepherd. Just a helper. Just an under-shepherd. Trying to do my best in the calling that God has on my life. I'll hold out the word of God. But the body of Christ belongs to Christ. And yes, he's given elders over the church to help shepherd the church. And so that is a big part of it. Like, you can't not be a part of a church because God calls us to be under leadership of elders. I, myself, am submitted to the elders. Like, we're all submit, like, to the word of God and the authority of Christ. But also, you foot, you elbow, you big toe, have a gift to share in this body, to edify, to build up, to stir up and encourage one another in the Lord. If we don't meet together, if we neglect meeting together, that doesn't happen. And this is really where the, the American church is broken in a really, really bad way because so many times we just come to be fed, be fed by a dude up front with the word, instead of us realizing what the body of Christ actually is and that there should be ministry happening all through this place today, one to another. There should be a Sunday that goes by that you're not ministering to somebody and somebody's ministering to you. That you're praying over somebody and somebody's praying over you. Because we all have something that we're bringing to this thing. And yes, sometimes it's up front, but man, it is beautifully happening within the body, within our community groups, gathering together, pouring over the scriptures one another, praying over one another, pressing the gospel into each other's lives. We need it. We need to do this. We need to stir each other up, provoke each other in the best ways possible, sharpen one another, particularly as the day of the Lord draws closer. Christ is coming back. That's the day he's talking about here. I can't wait. I, and it's not just because I've had it with this place, but I've had it with this place. There should be more amens on that one, right? We're about ready to walk into another political cycle. Ugh. Jesus, help us. Just come back. Just come back. Right? The day of the Lord is coming. And when you read through the scriptures, it's going to get harder and harder as it gets closer. And if we're neglecting to be like to be a part of a body, if we're neglecting to gather together, if we're not stirring one another up, if we're not drawing near, if we're not holding fast to the confession, we're not going to make it. The beautiful thing that the, the beautiful gift that the church is for the building up of the body, like the, 
as the day draws closer, we need to continue to meet even more and more and more. To stir one another up, to encourage one another. That, that word encouragement there always gets me a little bit. Because encouragement can be really weak. Those attaboys, those pats on the back. Hey man, you're just, you're the best, brother. No, 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 I'm not. Pastor, it was such a great sermon. Good job. Like, oh, just, and I get what you're saying. That's awesome. Please don't stop. (laughs) But then like encouragement in the scripture is to put courage into somebody. And the only way that I have any bit of courage is when I see and behold Jesus more and more. So when we encourage each other, we encourage each other in the Lord so that we might see and behold him and his promises, that we would stand firm and steadfast on him. That's to put courage into somebody. The attaboys are fine. That's nice. That's good. If you help move some chairs and somebody's like, hey, thank you, it's good. It's all good. But the real encouragement of the church, encouraging one another in the Lord God, is so much bigger and deeper than that. Christ is coming back, and the church needs to be the church in the meantime. We draw near in full assurance. We hold fast to the confession of our hope, and we stir one another up to love and good works. And as we conclude this morning, I'm going to ask the band to come. I just want, um, if we could just bow our heads and close our eyes. I'm going to pray in a few minutes, like I said, we're going to go to the table of the Lord uh, as we go back into a time of worship. And I'm going to ask us to really worship. Um, I want us to partake in communion together, not as a formality of tradition, but as this beautiful declaration of this new and living way that he has provided for us to enter into the presence of God. Like this is us saying, Jesus, thank you for making the new and living way. Thank you for drawing near to us. And, like, I don't know. It's my prayer that we would just desire more. We would truly draw near, that we would desire more of the presence of God in our lives. I'm desperate, guys. I'm desperate for it. I love what the Lord is doing. I feel like this last year, I've had some really great moments with the Lord. The Lord has changed my life in, in, in new and beautiful ways this last year. And then I feel like over the last couple of months, things got a little bit like normal, a little less intense with the Lord. You know those moments, those cycles that we go through? Then the last couple of weeks, he's moving again. He's stirring me again. That hunger and that thirst is getting deeper. And I love it. I hope that you see the wonderful joy and privilege it is to be a part of the body of Christ and what Christ has done for you. That your sin is gross and vile. It's evil, and it separates us from a holy and living God who is absolutely pure. 
but Jesus. But Jesus. In Christmas came. In Christmas became a man so that that man could live a sinless life and die. And that blood would pour out. And by that blood, by that broken body, we can walk into the presence of God. If you have not been drawing near, why? Why? Why would you squander those moments? Why would you squander that privilege and that joy? Why would you not draw near to a living God? What is the lie that, what is the lie that you're believing? What is the lie that you're believing? That you won't draw near to him, that you won't draw near to his presence. Call out that lie right now and bring it to the feet of Jesus. Call that out in your life and believe on him. Believe his word, believe his work, believe his blood, believe that broken body, believe on him. And draw near. Draw near. Father, I thank you for my friends. I pray that you would continue to stir us by the power of your spirit. God, not just to motivate us, but God, change us. Keep changing my life, please. Keep changing our lives, please. Cause these hearts to long for you, to see you, behold you. That surpassing worth, that treasure that you are that we would sell it all. We would sell every bit of our lives so that we could buy that field where that great treasure lies. Father, give us the boldness and the humility to do that today. And let us come, let us come into the very presence of God, the real presence of God boldly. Because you love us and you're here with us today. We confess our need of you we confess our sin. We confess our laziness. We confess, God, we just confess it all. We lay it at your feet and we boldly come today. We love you and thank you. Yes, in Jesus' name, let's stand together.